Good morning again, Freedom Center. Uh, take your Bibles out this morning. Get out that old-fashioned paper, you know, Bible that your grandmother gave you. Take out your, your version app. Take out your, uh, you know, whatever you got. Take it out now and open up to, to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. We're going to be spending some time there today, and I'm going I'm to try to frame Galatians 6, 9 according to what we've kind of already been. So let's, let's continue Church in the Wild now, part 5, by going back to part 2. Part 2, I told you there was something that, that God woke me up, middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning, and maybe, maybe God woke me up, maybe I couldn't sleep, but I, I was awake, and so I thought, you know, if I'm going to be awake, I might as well pray. And I started praying for you. I started praying that God would just give me a word for you guys for that coming up Sunday. Uh, it was all new to us. This online stuff was all new to us. I just, it, we were pioneering again and again and again and again. So, I, you know, God, just, just give me something to say to them. I'm praying, oh, Lord. And he dropped this word into my spirit, and it says this. Those who turn their faith outward during this season will do better than those who simply turn their faith inward. And we talked about that about a month ago in part two, and now this is part five. So about a month ago, I, I shared that, turning your faith outward, upward, and forward. And I really felt like, like God breathed on that. And so I want to come back to it, not because I, I think it's important to, to reiterate, but because we're, we're in a new season of that. It's, it's great to hear that day one, but now it's 30 days later. And I, and I want to come back to that because I think by now there, I'm hearing people saying things like, man, it's, it's getting old, I'm getting frustrated, I'm getting tired, I'm getting desperate. And so I want us to come back to really what I believe the Lord is saying to us. I, I rarely say I feel like this is a prophetic message, but I really feel there's an element of prophecy from that message, you know, three weeks ago, but also in this message this morning, bringing us into the next season. So Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those in the household of faith. Now today I want to break that down, what those words mean in that verse, and then I want to come back to really again that, that message that I believe is for us today. So let us not become weary. The word weary here doesn't mean exhausted. It doesn't mean do 500 push-ups and, you know, 100 push-ups into it, you just, you're shaking and you're quivering and you're nauseous and you can't breathe. It's not that. It's the weariness that comes from repetition and monotony. Let us not become weary because we, we've been doing the same thing, heading in the same direction, giving the same offering, praying the same prayer, believing the same foundational truth, um, cook, baking the same cookies for our neighbors, uh, and, and nothing seems to be changing. Now, Paul's exhortation to the Galatians is simple. Be very careful that you don't give up before the due time comes. Be careful not to quit being a farmer because it gets hard in the heat of the summer. Be careful not to quit praying for your prodigal son or your prodigal daughter when, when the, it's, you're just moments away, minutes away, maybe months away. But regardless, however far away you are, this is part of the maturing process for you and the part of the miraculous process for him. So um, we're, we're being asked to continue in spite of a sense of, of a growing futility. Do not grow weary. Do not think it futile. Do, do not miss the purpose of waiting. We, we talked about this in the Bible study all oh, last Thursday, and we were talking about how, you know, you got to plow a field, and that's hard. you got to plant a field, and that's boring. And then you got to wait. You have to wait for God to send rain. 
And, and I, I, just, I just feel like God's breathing on this for you right now, for me right now. Let's be very careful that, that after all the effort of plowing the ground and doing good and pioneering again and kingdom builders and praying our big prayers and studying the word and facing the sickness and being brave and going to work as an EMT or a doctor or a nurse or a guy that mops floors in the ER, like, like the courage this is taking, like do not get tired of doing the good that you've been doing. Don't let the devil steal this. Don't... Don't get, don't get this, this sense of futility in your head so you believe that what you're doing is no longer what, you, what is purposeful or right or fruitful. So we're supposed to not grow weary in, in, in something. And what is that something? Let us not become weary in doing good. Now, the word good here in the original language means beautiful, virtuous, genuine, approved, honorable, commendable. Let, let us not think it futile to be good and to do good, especially in this season. And I, I'll tell you this, I, uh, if, if you're a stock market person, you'll understand this. You want to buy low, believing that things will come back again. You want to be in when everybody else is getting out. Warren Buffett said you should be greedy when everybody's afraid and afraid when everybody's greedy. In other words, buy during crises so that as the stock market comes back, you increase better. I'm going to make the same analogy about what we're going through now. I believe that the church being salt and light in this season has a better reward as far as the effectiveness of ministry, the effectiveness of God's kingdom on earth. It, when we're for people and with people and helping people and feeding people and praying big prayers, and it, it matters so much more during a crisis than it would during a, a normal good time, right? So we are making significant, as a church, not just financially, but significant investments in loving people, serving people, loving each other, loving God, loving people, loving to serve. If we will invest during this season as much as we have, I believe the, the benefit, the good that we do now has a better benefit during this season than any other season we experience. When you're good during times of good, you blend in. When you're good during times of bad, you stand out. And so you, I just want to encourage you, let's, let's continue to push. Let us not become weary in, in doing Good. And, I, and I'll, I'll let you know this, guys, that, um, you know, good is from God. James says every good, every perfect gift comes down from heaven. Everything that you do that's good, it's an extension uh, of God's hand. It's his breath being breathed into people's lives. It's his love. It's his voice. It's his hands. It's his face. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For the Bible says, at the proper time, the, the, the compound word, proper time is, is the, the words idios and uh, kairos. And, and literally what it means is this. It means the opportune moment, distinct from the passing of time. Literally, it says, when it's your time. Now remember this. Let us not grow weary, thinking it's futile, of doing good, because there's going to be a time that's your time. There's going to be a time when all of this comes together, when all of this makes sense, when all of this, we're going to look back on this and probably have some regrets, but I promise you this, the good we do during this season, we will never look back on and regret. The prayers we pray, the offerings we give, the people we serve, the, the neighbors we check on, the lawns we mow for our neighbors that have a lawn mowing service and their, their grass is knee high by the 4th of July and no one can mow it. Hear me, we, the good we do now, there will be a time, a, 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 an idiot's Kairos, a due time, a your time that, that it comes to fruition. And people say, well, you know, that's cool, but I, I'm waiting. And I would say this, you're right. And there is something about waiting that is really hard, but 
really important. And I, and I want you to hear me. Again, this came out of the Bible study last Thursday morning, which I encourage you guys to be a part of these 10 o'clock Bible studies. God's doing great things. Pastor Carl did an awesome teaching last week. And I, I just, it's, it's a part of community. So 10 a.m. on Facebook Live, you know, but, it, but this is what came up this morning. We were talking about that, that waiting time. And is God, is God using me to build something? Is God using me to change something? Is God using me to plant something? And I, and I want to come back to this thought. I don't believe God's using us to build anything. I think God is using the things that need to be built to build you and to build me. Our faith is being tested. Our, our desire, our love, our, our faithfulness is all being tested. And I believe that God is using these things. Not, not, he's not using us to feed people. He's using hungry people to build us. He, he's not using stress in your, you know, to, for you to build your marriage right now. He's using the marriage to build you right now in the ways of, of God, the fidelity, the love, the patience, the kindness, the reconciliation. If you had an argument, God is not using you to homeschool kids. God, God is using homeschool to educate you about what it means to be that engaged in your child's life. Like, God is using this. And you realize that. Do you allow the discipline, last week's sermon, the discipline to grow you during this time? Listen, there is a your time that's coming. A, a, an idios kairos, an opportune time, right? How long will it take? I have no idea, but I know this. I'm not going to waste this season because this season is a time where God is building his church and God is sending his church and God is developing maturity in people through the only way that, that gold is refined is through a furnace. And so if you're in the thick of it today, understand this, God has not left you. God is with you. God is carrying you. God is blessing you. Um, a great statement, I forget where I heard it, but the person said the teacher is silent during the test. So even if you feel like God's a long ways from you, understand, if God is silent, it's probably a test. Everything that he's taught you up to now is being tested. So there's this fulfillment. There's this harvest that's coming, right? Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. We're going to see a multiplied return. We're going to see what we gave to others being spread amongst others in a multiplied Way. I want to give you three power statements, and that's an homage to my friend, Pastor Adam Cook. Three power statements that I want you just to think about as we meditate on Galatians 6, 9, and 10, as you think about your life and what God's doing now, as you need that extra oomph to get you through a tough day. I want you to think about this. Number one is this. A seed in the field is greater than a seed in the sack, a seed in the barn, a seed in the silo, a seed in your hand. That which is sown in the kingdom, according to kingdom principles, that which is sown, that good deed that is done is better than the capacity of good deeds undone. The smallest good deed done is greater in capacity, in blessing, in riches, in glory for Christ than the greatest capacity waiting for some other time, right? In the kingdom, wealth is not measured by seeds in our hand. It's measured by seeds in the field. Now think about it. Who's better off? The guy that shows you the big pile of seed, a thousand pounds of seed and goes, that's my seed. Or the guy that shows you a thousand acres that has a thousand pounds of seed sown into it. Who's better off? The guy with a thousand pounds of seed or the thousand acres with the seed sown in it? I, you know this. This is an easy question. It's, it's, actually, it's actually simple. Who's better off, right? The person with the potential to do good or the person that's done good? Obviously, especially in this season. Obviously, especially in this season, the potential to do good is nice. But having done good, 
having given, having prayed, having blessed, having, having baked, having shared, having encouraged is better than having encouragement, having cookies on your counter. It's better to take those cookies to your neighbors. It's better to love than it is to wait for someone to knock on your door and love you. So the question's rhetorical. The answer is simple. And so Paul concludes with, with Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, therefore, now what's the question, right? <laughs> I know I say this all the time, but I want you to get used to studying the Bible, not just reading it. When you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself the question. Out loud, wherever you are right now, in your car, in your rig, at, at, at the office, in your family room, uh, you know, wherever you are right now, almost said in the bathroom, wherever you are right now, you have to ask the question when you see the word therefore. What is the question? What's the therefore? Therefore, he's making a transitional statement. Don't, don't grow weary in doing good because in due time, you're, you know, do these good things because in due time you'll reap if you don't faint. Therefore, attaching that statement to the next one, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let us do good to all people. That thought of doing good is all over Scripture. Um, the thought of taking the substance of another world, the substance of heaven, and placing it on this planet through something called good is one of the major themes of the gospel, one of the major themes of the writings of Paul, Peter, James, John. I, I, I'm not saying you, if you don't do good, you're going to hell. I'm saying if you're going to heaven, bring some heaven with you to this earth, doing good. Um, Jesus taught this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works. The Greek word there is ergos, the, 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 the workings of heaven on earth. Um, let, let your light shine in such a way that they see your, your ergos, your good works. But the, in the end, they don't say, you're such a great guy. You're such a great girl. They say, they glorify your Father in heaven. I thank God for the good that you brought into my life, for the cookie, for the lawn mowing, for the medicine, for the phone call, for the, for the friendship, for the encouragement, for the generosity. I thank God. You did it, but I thank God for what you did. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they see you are arrogant, your good works. And God gets the glory for your good works. Paul taught this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. We shouldn't be afraid of taking the risk of doing good works because God has set us up already to succeed, right? Paul taught that, that Jesus was so kind to the individual, to the, to the corporate meeting, to the world, that he actually designated five different giftings and placed them on men's and women's lives. And he said there's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. You know what their job is to do? You know why God gives those gifts to people? It, it says right here, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, to equip God's people for works, ergos, good works, bringing heaven to earth. God has a whole category, a whole uh, priesthood is too strong of a word because we're all priests unto the Lord, but he gives certain anointings and blessings and abilities and gifts and grace so that people can prophesy and evangelize and, and, and be an apostle in leadership and have that entrepreneurial spirit and pastor and care and teach and, and educate and help us all to grow. Like He's that concerned about the fruit of our lives that he's actually dedicated a, a class, if you will, of people. And I don't mean it's a higher class or a lower class, just another class of people and their sole purpose in life is to get you to understand who you are so you can be what God's created you to be and produce fruit. So here's power statement number two. You ready? 
Power statement number one. Here comes power statement number two. A seed in the field is greater than the seed in your hand. Number two is this. God would like to use your hands to leave his fingerprints on the people around you in this world. God wants to use your hands to leave his fingerprints in people's lives. It's the great co-mission. It's not the great mission. You weren't sent on a great mission. You were sent on the great commission, co-mission. Him and us, we touch in his name and we leave his fingerprints on the lives of people. When God tells you where to sow, when God tells you what to say, when God sends you to a certain place and a certain people at a certain time, and by the way, this kairos moment, this, this idios kairos, this, this moment, your time shows up, it, it's time to be fruitful, it's time uh, it could fit right in the middle of an ordinary day and you'd never know the difference. I, I can't tell you the number of times people said, you know, what you said, what you did, it really changed my life. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying it or doing it. It's happened to you too, right? I literally had this happen to me right here in this room, which we'll all be in again as soon as, as the Lord allows and our government allows. But uh, I, I was doing a wedding rehearsal and uh, I the bridesmaids and groomsmen were showing up and this woman runs up to me. This young lady, she wraps her arms around me. Oh, Pastor Jim. Oh, so glad to see you. And the look on my face must have told her, I don't remember you. I don't know who you are. Why are you hugging me? And she said, she caught on. She said, you don't know who I am, do you? And I said, uh, I was busted. And she goes, oh my gosh, you, you led me to Jesus. My, my, my fiance and I like came to this church, got saved. You baptized me. You did our wedding. Right? It was, I was so embarrassed. And she was so hurt that I said these words. I said, you know, one of the symptoms of a, of a closed head injury is short-term memory loss. And she said, and, and I always say after I say that, it's like, but I, you know, I don't have a, a closed head injury, but it is one of the symptoms. But when I said, you know, one of the symptoms of a closed head injury is short-term memory loss, she said, oh. She put her hand on my, on my arm. She said, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know. And she felt so much better. And I felt so much better that I I didn't finish the rest of the joke. <laughs> so, so anyway, what I'm saying is this. I had no idea that I had affected those lives and that way to the place. I didn't even remember doing a wedding. Now, please hear me. I, I say that because your, your idios kairos moment, you, you may not even know that you rock someone's world, that you were the right person, the right place at the right time with the God stuff. Like, let's just, like, let's look for the opportune moments to arrive but understanding that a lot of the opportune moments we'll never understand as opportune, maybe until eternity, right? So we leave God's fingerprints. I, that statement came to me, you know, um, I was thanking a friend who had helped this church uh, in a very significant way. We were trying to arrange some things financially, government programs and things, and I, I felt like we weren't getting returned phone calls. So I called a friend of mine, and I said, are you having problems? And he said, no, but let me make a phone call. The people that would not return my phone call and this is, by the way, everybody's busy. This is not the slight anyway. It's not the, the moral of the story is not to demean people who are trying to help us in the, the PPP program and all that kind of stuff. The moral of the story is something very different. He said, let me make a phone call. Five minutes later, he calls me back. Hey, I've got somebody on the phone. So his influence with the, with the, the SBA-approved bank was different than my influence. And when they hung up, and I, he called them back and said, listen, these people are family. You take care of these people. Uh, they... they They've done a tremendous uh, amount of business with this bank. And he just, I want you to know, treat them not like normal people. These people are my family. So we, we were approved for the loan. The money was, was funded, and it's forgivable, so we didn't borrow money. We have a government grant and so forth that is now being used to, to free up other monies to bless people. But I called him, and he didn't answer. <clears throat> I left a voicemail. I said, I want to say thank you. Um, our friendship means the world to me. 
And I know that when you extend your reputation into my reputation, that's, that's a, a trust. And I, I want you to know I'm going to work very hard to make sure that you are never embarrassed of our friendship. You, you put your name and my name together in a sentence. Like, I'm so grateful. And then I ended the phone call by saying this. Your, your kindness, your hands have left the fingerprints of God on my heart. And then I hung up and I went, and the Lord just said, say that again. Your kindness has left the fingerprints of God on my heart. I want, I want you to know something. It was a couple of phone calls for him, but it, it wasn't. It was an idios kairos moment for me. It sealed a friendship. It opened up a door to a tremendous financial blessing so that we can continue to be a tremendous financial blessing. Um, it, it was a phone call. It was a text. It was an email, it, but it wasn't. It was a partnership that, that was not just my friend. It was our God. It was our Father in heaven blessing me through his kindness, his, his risk of reputation and joining it with ours. When he said to that banker, they're family and you take care of them, we've been treated so wonderfully. And we weren't treated poorly before. We just needed more information. So I don't mean to, again, besmirch anybody. I am trying to say this, though. Your kindness, that phone call, that lawn mow, that, that dozen cookies, that uh, whatever it is you do, I want you to know this. Your kindness can leave God's fingerprints in people's lives. So let's, let's cultivate that culture. Let's, let's celebrate that fruit. Let's do everything we can to be a part of this story. Now, Paul leaves us with one last thought, and I'll give you one last power statement based on that. It says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, that's an interesting statement. It, it, almost, it almost seems contradictory in a way, like, like, no, we're supposed to, like, pick up our cross and follow Christ and lay our lives down for people. So when Paul says, if anybody's going to get good treatment around here, make sure you take care of each other first. Make sure, make sure the church takes care of the church before the church takes care of the world. It almost sounds like that's what he's saying. So, um, but this is what he's saying, and here's, here's that, that power statement number three. You ready? Those who believe are special to God especially to those who belong to the household of faith, especially to those that are believers, right? Those who believe are special to God and should be special to us as well. Now, as the music starts to play behind me this, this morning, I just, I, I want you to hear my heart on this. It, it may seem contradictory unless you understand the, the, the oxygen mask and an airline principle. And this is what I mean by this. I think it's very important for you to take care of you I think it's very important for you to take care of your family. If you're married, if you have children, if you have parents, I think it's very important. I think it's very important that you take care of the finances, your, your health, uh, your calendar. We've taught on all of this stuff for years, right? I think it's very important. And it's not because God's will in the end is to bless you at the expense of others. It's because it's God's will to bless others through you. And so Paul makes it very clear here. If you're going to start blessing people, make sure... Make sure, if you're going to do good to anybody, make sure you do good to those who do the good in the world. Make sure there's oil in the lamps of the light. Make sure there's salt in the shakers of the church. And so um, I just want you to know this, guys. You need to take really good care of you because you have a, a job to do in taking care of others. You need to take really good care of your family because the pain that comes from, from not maintaining a romantic relationship or parental relationship or, or sibling relationship or parental, you know, to your parents' relationship, it's, it's so costly and detrimental, such a, a horrible, painful attack or distraction or drain. When God wants to be generous through you, but you're broken, it just doesn't work that way. 
So you take care of you, and you take care of each other, and we're going to take care of one another in the family and the household of faith because I believe that, that we cannot help others if we don't let that oxygen mask come down to us and we put it on, and then we help people around us. If we don't take care of us, we can't take care of them. So those of you that have been working really like too hard during the season, you still need a Sabbath rest. Even in war, you need a Sabbath rest. Even in emergencies, you need a Sabbath rest. Even in a COVID crisis, you need a Sabbath day's rest. You need to schedule the emergencies. You need to schedule when you work on things and when you don't. You need to take really good care of your spiritual family. Let's, let's be very careful. Now, I'm one pastor with thousands of people that say he's my pastor. Now, you understand that I'm, I'm never going to succeed with that dynamic. What you need to do is take care of you, take care of your family, take care of your, your friends, and then beyond that, guys, let's take really good care of the people around us. Let's take care of, of those that might have a need. Let's check on those that are sick. Let's make sure that those who are alone are not lonely. Let's make sure that, that people who are in a crisis understand they're not in that alone. Let's pray for each other. Let's bake for each other. Let's, let's think about each other. Let's speak to each other. Let's FaceTime each other. Because Paul says if we're going to do good, let's, let's not go do good to a world, forgetting that the good that God wants to do comes through people just like you. So take good care of my friends, all right? Take good care of my family. Take good care of the people we've led to Jesus. Take good care of people that are on their journey towards Jesus. Take, let's take really good care of those of us that, that have vulnerabilities right now, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Let's, let's be the church without walls. The church has left the building, right? Let's be the church outside of these walls, outside of the parameters of the time, on the day, at the place where we do the thing, right? Let's be, let's be salt, let's be light, let's be the church. I'm gonna make you a final promise today and then our time together will be done. It's just simply this, here's my promise. I promise you that if you don't grow weary in doing good, that idios kairos moment, that proper time, that, that time of harvest will come and you will reap the benefit of your patience, of your generosity, of your faith. You, you, you will benefit from plowing a thousand acres and planting a thousand pounds of seed. You will. It will not be just a diffused whatever. It will be your benefit. And let's, let's say that everything you do, let, let's say that a week from now, for whatever reason, your life is over with and you stand before the Lord, you will not regret the seeds you planted between now and then. Let's say it's 10 years from now. You will not regret a single seed you plant in a single acre for Jesus for his glory. Let's say it's 50 years from now. Let's say it's 70 years from now. You stand before Jesus. You will not regret not giving up, not feeling like it's, it's futile, doing the good that God wants to bring to this earth, taking care of each other, taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, taking care of the household of faith. You will not regret a single seed planted, a single gift given, a single word spoken, a single good deed done. You will not regret because God will total all of those things up and he will lay a crown upon your head that you will have the, the privilege of laying at his feet. And that is our time for today. I want to just say this one last thing in closing. Maybe today is your idios kairos moment, your opportune time. Maybe in this moment, the prayers of others and the seeds sown in your life are all coming together. They've been watered. And today you're like, man, I, I need more than just a church relationship. I need a God relationship. I, I need him, not just it or that or them. I need Jesus. Let me just tell you in the next 90 seconds what you need to know. God loves you so much 
And right now, wherever you are, I want you just to start praying like God would just penetrate people's hearts in this moment. Let's all work together. Let's all pray together right now. I believe that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to pay a price that you and I couldn't pay. Jesus lived where we live and he died for the purpose of, of paying a price that I'd run up a tally of my misdeeds, my, my untruths, my sin that I couldn't pay for. I, I would have to be executed for my sin. And Jesus said, I will take Jim's execution for him. That's why he's crucified. The Bible's clear. History's clear. Jesus isn't crucified because he's guilty of anything. He's innocent of all charges. And yet he's executed between two common criminals. Why? Because I'm a common criminal. And I needed someone to die for me. I would have no chance of knowing a holy God, let alone spending eternity with him. So right here, right now, wherever you are, that's part of what's called the gospel, the good news. Jesus was sent to this world to live where we live and never fail, to die for those who had and resurrects from the dead so that we too can have hope of life that is eternal. If you don't know Jesus, this is your opportune moment right here, right now. I don't care if you're listening to this next Thursday or a year from now or 10 years from now. This is not an accident. This moment is not a mistake. Today, right here, right now, let me just pray with you. And if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, if you want to accept that gift of salvation right here, right now, that's what we're doing here. So pray this with me. Jesus, I was wrong and you were right. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive your love. I receive adoption into the family of God, not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done for me. From this day forward, I belong to you, and you belong to me. My Father, I pray that you would help us all to plant great seeds, to plow great fields, to trust you for the rain. I pray, God, that you would bless us and keep us and make your face to shine on us, that we would see you as just the gracious God that you are and that you would give every heart peace as we face every circumstance. Let any heat or or pressure just push us into you and get the spots and the wrinkles out of our garments so we can stand before you holy and blameless. We are yours and you are ours. And we are not afraid because you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I hope that you've enjoyed this. Um, I would just remind you as we end here today that if you'd like to give your offerings, you can just click on that link at the end of my message today. And we are so grateful for the fidelity, for the faithfulness of this church because it allows us to be so faithful to the needs that are around us. I love you. Dean and I pray for you every night. We, uh, we ask God to bless you. If you need anything at all, you know the number, 810-629-5261. That's the number to your church. And when you call it, people answer. People get back to you. People hook up the, the need with the, the, the provision. That's what we're doing during this season is just helping you. And so if you need anything at all, you got something to give, you got something you need, don't be shy. Let's, let's be the church. Do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of faith. I love you and we'll see you soon.